0: Everybody and welcome back to the Central Virginia Sport Performance Podcast. My name is Jay DeMeo, and I am here today. Welcoming back and welcoming to the seminar, Mr. Speedworks Training Jonas Dodu. Jonas, man. I'm stoked to have you back on the show, and I'm super excited to have you over in Richmond, Virginia, July 15th for the seminar. It is going to be an absolute blast, man. I'm so fired up that you're going to be able to hop over across the pond and join us in person after these crazy at that point it'll be 24 28 months whatever it's been
1: yeah yeah 100 percent. now i'm looking forward to coming over i think uh it's going to feel like i'm going to make the states a bit of a home over the next year so i'm really really keen that um and appreciate you for for getting me involved 100%. yeah man
0: Dude, I, I'm stoked. And it sounds like you guys got a lot of good things cooking, speed works and all that. So let, let's catch people up a little bit here before we get into things. You know, with, we spoke, it was about two years ago on the show and we were talking, yeah. you know, evaluating speed and queuing and things of that nature. And, and that's um, that's some things that you're getting into even more and trying to not just personally, but driving coaches to help us understand some of these things a bit better. Yeah,
1: hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. I think um, that COVID gave me an opportunity. It gave me an opportunity as a as a full time coach to stop coaching, which I hadn't done for forever. Um, I remember even when my child was born, or my honeymoon, and uh, everything that's life changing is a has been paired with a coaching event. I've missed some of it, or I've planned it around it, and so it's the first time I've been forced. Um, when athletes get injured and they come back faster, we often call it a forced taper. It's like the taper, the injury forced them to deload and actually allowed them to supercompensate. And I think the same thing happened for us in, in COVID. And um, and you know, it's it's taken a bit of time, but I've I've downloaded my brain into an algorithm, and I've um, created a really cool team of of individuals and and coaches and. And really, really, our goal is just now to spread the word, help more coaches do what I've done in the past, and and surpass what we've done in the past, and um, and coming to the states is a, a big part of that for sure.
0: Yeah, and I think that one thing that that we really connect on when it comes to those sort of things is, you know, the idea of of kind of taking emotion out of things and looking at actual information and building your principles around what the logic actually tells you and, and making things progressive mm. and teachable and trainable, but having a specific set of principles that you can teach your athletes so that they understand what's going on so that you can start to continue to progress longitudinally throughout their career. Mm. Mm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, principles and systems-based thinking and
1: um, and heuristics and and rules of thumb, and, and puzzles and riddles and all those things have always been my passion, like not coach related, just just me, me and my son. We love those kind of things. Um, and he's six and he's learned that he already loves those kind of things. Um, so, you know, everyone knows that Dan Path was my original mentor and, and most of my model of how I see the world was refined through working with him. And what the great thing about it is, if you separate yourself from your sport, football, soccer, um, lacrosse, track and field, long jump versus 100-meter sprinting. If you separate yourself from the actual event and you first say, we're probably dealing with humans, they probably, not always, got two arms, two legs, generally working under gravity. We're talking about explosive and elastic movements. So generally have less time available than they really want or really need to produce force. So need to create strategies to create force really, really quickly and direct it in the right right places. uh, if we if we start from that point, if we start from the point that generally humans like to sh- train really hard one day, and if you wanna stay healthy for a long period of time, you probably need to go up and down and up and down. and And, you know, okay, some cycles people go up, up, and then down, and, and th- th- there are different ways of doing it, but essentially there are some general principles about how we train and how we could train based on humans first, and how we respond to training, how we learn, before we say, but we hold the ball here and our ball is round, or our ball is is a cylinder, or or, our ball is always at our feet, or our pitch is this big or this small. It's indoors, outdoors. Those are the nuances that we almost should ignore first. Understand basic principles of training, then understand the sport, um, and then you are not limited by what was done before. But what was done before should be studied because some some guy figured out a great way to get his players 30 years ago, strong, fit, fast, and they won stuff. We should study that. We should dismantle it, but we should do it like a, 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 I don't know, we should do it with a real thorough tooth comb and be clear about what did they do that was successful versus what did they do and they won despite the fact that they did it, right? And we need to be able to separate those things emotion the stories of our heroes stops us from separating the the fact from the fiction um and that's really what my job is to do is to be really clear each time i talk to a coach a coaching group when we want to understand their pain points is when they say but we had an increase of injury at this point or we we lost our players didn't do well we think it's because they're too fat we think it's because we changed this in training before we make that decision, I always dismantle it and say, okay, let's let's reverse. it. Let's keep going backwards and make sure that the emotion of losing or, or having athletes that are broke isn't jading our decision-making and, and, and our observation.
0: Well, and I think that like, when you just peel the layers back in the onion with that, you look at it and it's like, well, speed in all intents and purposes is a general adaptation that should have some form of carryover to specific qualities when it comes to sport right Mm -hmm. whether it be you know for example we run a princeton-based system so if your max v goes up you should be able to accelerate faster which means you should cut better Mm. you know or you're put if you if your max v goes up now you've got people who can apply more force in the ground so you should be able to Keep people in front of you better as long as you continue to work on the specific skills. Yep, there should be continued carryover. I mean, obviously, the, everything has a ceiling, right? Mm. But it sounds pretty much like get better at the important stuff that's general to help you continue to grow with the specific.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. At the end of the day, you've got to play your sport. You, you know, 78% of your week is always going to be playing your sport. and and practicing at some point within the context of your position um, and and perfecting that. But you're right, Uh, underpinning qualities for me of your ability to accelerate, your ability to run fast at max velocity or close to and and braking strength, your ability to create large amounts of braking in a short amount of time. Uh, Most of these are eccentric qualities or at least highly neurological qualities that are enhanced by eccentric force and eccentric strength. And these are just key underpinning qualities that then allow you to go and play your sport and improve at your sport and feel confident in your sport um, and and take risks in your sport because you feel confident in your body. And so we'll keep coming back to that. Whereas, you know, a lot of coaches will say, but it doesn't look like what they do out there or this player has a higher force um, profile compared to this player. That's a higher velocity profile and it's very specific to their position. A running back versus a wide receiver right or a, a center back versus a, a right wing or whatever it is whatever your sport is and then we have lots of arguments about well what does that mean should it should it should we change it should we not whereas actually if you just keep everything rising then generally things improve right when we get stuck in a bias and say because sometimes it's because we can't or we struggle to improve a quality that we say we don't need it, right? Because for a number of years, people said we don't need we don't need to train speed in sport. You ask them why, then they say, because each time we do too much speed, they get hurt. That doesn't mean you shouldn't train it. It probably means your training method was wrong. Um, and then they say, oh, yeah, but my, our players, our best players are really force dominant. So we should just keep training that because that's the quality they need. And so what the, the best players, the really best players are... Have might be force dominant, so the force is over the velocity, but the velocity is still relatively high compared to everyone else. So we're not having this discussion, we're just saying the dominance is here, so this is where we should train. And so again, this is me saying there's a bit of emotion, there's a bit of of, of lack of understanding that really drives people's decision-making at the
0: moment. Yeah, and I don't think that that's to say that people who have, whether you be force or velocity dominant as you're putting it, that what makes you great isn't what you should continue to keep because that's what makes them great. Yeah. 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 But if there is some sort of overwhelming discrepancy, I think all of us would agree that too much of anything or too big of a difference in anything is probably not the best thing when it comes to just long-term health.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. 100 100 having having a variety of qualities that all support your main objective is important rather than just saying this is the this is the cannon so let's just keep building the cannon bigger if you're on a boat you need a rudder you need you need a hull you you don't need water in your boat so you better not have any holes that there are a variety of, of skill sets that we know all of the guys need from a skill perspective the same thing applies to physical properties and physical qualities but it's not; it's not polarized. It's not fun to argue on Twitter um, about those things. Um, you can't; you can't blow up your your company or blow up your product by by killing another one's product that way, because you're essentially saying, "Okay, both me and my competitor have a place on the table." It's not; it's not you know; it's not fun. <laughs> um, whereas, yeah, it's not internet
0: sexy at all.
1: It's definitely not
0: internet sexy,
1: hundred um, percent. And, uh, but yet um, we all know the basics and, and, and keeping, um, keeping athletes alive and, and keeping them moving forward is, is generally not sexy. It's about doing what, it's about keeping everything alive, right? It's not about overloading one quality strength. Uh, we're gonna argue is strength more important than speed? Is, is a squat more important than an Olympic lift? Is it, no, we're talking about the ingredients of, of your meal and saying what's more important, your protein? Your carbohydrate your vitamins no it's about what's the right proportion for you you know if you're training your your proportion of carbohydrate to protein to to, to fiber may differ based on your training day right the stress that you've had the the requirements of the day we're not arguing that you need this all the time um, and and again I, I bring it back to dan path because this this phrase he uses of an eclectic collection dan's training menu and his and his philosophy at least the way I um, perceive it, is by not overloading one quality, but by understanding all qualities and the right proportions and maybe how that solar system changes over time, based on your training cycle, based on the athlete's progression throughout their career, these things are not about just saying speed is important I'm speed works right so you could say I think speed is the most important thing in the world um, but it's it's more like what are the what is the right proportion of qualities that allows your speed to be best um, and in some scenarios I go into uh, into clubs and the most important thing they need to do is to gym or the most important thing they need to do is add to their recovery modalities or the most important thing they need to do is, is improve the quality and the individualism of the, of the up and the activation. So these things allow us to then express the speed and do the training we really want to do. Um, but it's not polarized and, and that's sometimes a problem for people.
0: Yeah, it, I would say that it's probably hard to get something to go viral when you're saying that. You've got to do the simple basics, and then you've got to understand each individual person and do what's best for them. Because I don't mm. know if that, I don't know if that's going to get the likes. No, I'm sorry. Yeah,
1: I, I get. <laughs> it that, might get
0: the results. It just might not get the likes.
1: Well, and as I'm about to say, like the, our, our current clients and the and the, the the colleges and teams that are signing on to our mentorship um, into the new year, they're not the types of teams that are out for likes. They're not the types of philosophies. That are about the buzzwords. That they're, they're really trying to create um, holistic, well-rounded coaches and staff members who, um, who, yeah, who who are ready and excited to deal with the complexity of training. I often get to ask, "What's the most important drill for speed?" It's like I can answer that. I can give you my opinion of what I really like from a running drill perspective but don't go away and then copy it and use it with all your athletes because the most important thing in training and coaching is individualization, right? It's finding the, the low, uh, someone, someone said that British people love the phrase low hanging fruit, but I'm going to say it. And I said it, I've said it again on a podcast recently, but find the, the low hanging fruit, low hanging roots, whatever you want to call it, find the, the big rock that's going to make impact to that player today. Because often the players we're working with actually 15% or 25% of their week is about physical development. They have a whole other bigger proportion that's about what do I need to do to do what I need to do for the team? How do I work better with my brother? How do I create shared decision-making and shared, uh, shared pictures by the people that are next to me behind me so that we're doing similar things even without seeing each other, right? That's tactical awareness. That's what they really care about. What do I need to do to stay healthy? What do I need to do to actually get selected and keep my place? That's their bigger priority. So, when it comes to developing physical qualities and developing speed, the coaches need to be empowered with the key thing to do in a very short amount of time and how to make that decision and how it differs between Jack and John, yeah, or Jill and Jeanette, right? How is it going to differ? Um, and that is chaotic and that's why we would rather be given cookie cutter approach. That's why we'd rather just buy a program, just do a little bit of testing and get this program. And we did it, that's all we did last year. A lot of the time in the early part of, of, of um, COVID, that's what we did, we sold loads of programs, hundreds, in, in fact, nearly thousands of, pro, uh, thousands of programs. And the problem or the, lear- the lesson we learned from that was, the rule of thirds apply. Right, a third of the group of people that took our programs did a great and amazing job. Actually, generally, the team sport guys, a third of them did an okay. And actually, most of the guys that were more advanced performers and the track and field guys, without personal contact, so without video review and editing of their program due to their feedback, they didn't really improve. So what it shows you is that if you've got low training age individuals. You can improve them very easily by just doing the basics well, but after a short period of time, they start to need some nuances. They start, they they st- you start to realize this person needs more. This person actually needs less. This person needs something specific to address a physical limitation before you move on and intensify things. And if you don't create that individualism, someone's going to break. Someone's going to go stale. Someone's going to be overtrained. Um, so. But it's chaotic it requires understanding of principles so we went one route created programs sent them out did some basic profiling it kind of worked and actually we've had some some come to jesus meetings and some kind of like where do we want to go over the next year or two and i have most fun coaching coaches sharing my principles helping people go from there's no way that can work and there's no way it can I can manage it in my logistics in my environment to here are some novel solutions here are some simple ways I'm going to apply it and here's how I'm going to coach the rest of my team to do it as well Um, I think that's the fun part and, and and that's what we're really excited to do right now
0: no doubt man I think that like you know we were talking a little before It's kind of the blessing and the curse of the situation that I'm in over here right now, right? With the guys being older and understanding. Well, I hope they're understanding, you know, a bit about like their own nuances and things that they need and all that. I mean, granted with a gigantic roster for college basketball and and a lot of older guys, it's it's adding some duration to the day, but, uh, you know, it's pretty neat to see them When they start to understand that and they start to be able to contribute, how much of that growth continues and how much just the simple improvements, whether it be in, you know, how they feel or how how they're moving. You know, when you touched on confidence too a little earlier, just like how important that is that they now, not just because they understand it, but because they trust with what they're doing and they've seen how it has helped them kind of continue to evolve and grow as a player like how much more confident they seem, you know, stepping out on the floor and, and their comfort level with that. Yeah.
1: I mean, confidence is probably at the, at the top of, of, um, of our objectives for, for all layers of, of, of the, the stakeholders. So for the head coach, head coach needs to be confident that his fitness coach or his SNC coach knows how to, not just make players available, which is of course the first priority, but once they are available consistently, knows how to transfer the gym and the straight line speed work into the tactical, technical elements of his game, of his model. Um, and that and the way you make a head coach confident is by being really confident in yourself and being really clear about where the pieces are and how you move from teaching into training into transfer. And once you are very confident in that, guess what? Players are extra confident because they can see that there's a process and they're they're clear that that process isn't just a general cookie cutter process. It's a process that really is is grouping players and making sense of not just the force characteristics that they require through some testing, but the kinematics, the the technical changes that need to happen, um, that they're illustrated in a way. So we provide a lot of video analysis and video profiling and showing cues and important things that need to change via video. And that is really buying into maybe the the new age, it's not that new age, but like the the more online savvy, video savvy PlayStation player, who is just very used to seeing video and digital representation of movement, right? So we are um, doing that. And then what happens is players, get faster they feel faster they feel confident that they can push harder and then the 50-50 tackle or the 50-50 gap that maybe they wouldn't have gone for they go for right they back themselves and then so the cycle just goes all the way around the head coach gives the the fitness coach or snc coach more more remit it gives him more time everyone's always says i haven't got enough time to do what i want to do just manage up you need to convince your head coach you need that you know i, I have some great friends who are heads of performance, and they have very good relationships with their coaches, and as a result, the coaches give them the remit, but trust is earned. It's never given. So a head coach needs to trust you and will get gain confidence when you can illustrate how your model actually works over time, and then players will trust themselves and the model and push themselves out, then everybody's happy. When you get those things, you win. Simple
0: as. When you get those things, you win. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think it could be said any better, man. And I think that, you know, talking about building those relationships and the, the trust and how you have to evolve your model and philosophy, I think, you know, is, is a lot behind what you guys are doing and how you guys are helping coaches grow. Mm-hmm. I think that's a pretty awesome lead in here to the, uh, the big three. So let's start diving right into these, bud. Yeah. Um, so the first one, You know, I I think that with all of us, you know, being a young profession, vocation, whatever term we're using to talk about the performance world now, there's growing pains and things that we can do better, you know, some, maybe even mistakes that might be happening. So what are some, some things that you see, you know, with your work with coaches in the States and, you know, you're all over the EU also with coaches. So where are some things that you feel that we could do better or differently that are gonna help us grow to correct some of the issues that we see with the performance world?
1: Yeah, no, um, good question. I think I might end up repeating what I've just said, but I, I, my, my process for analyzing speed is, is three prong. So if I'm gonna set up grouping and bucketing, and bucketing is a term I did not know until I spoke to the guys in the States, yeah? We just talk about grouping. People talk about buckets. I said, why are we talking about buckets now? So okay, no, that's your groupings anyway. So when we talk about bucketing and when we talk about grouping, I I believe that what's really nice is JB Marin's work and and the the work around horizontal force velocity profiling and, and utilizing GPS to create a profile or any other means is great, right? A lot of teams are using it, and even the basketball teams are using it over, over 15, 20-meter assessment. So what's really nice is that people are utilising it and creating some clarity or more clarity about how people's physical qualities can be quantified uh, via sprint. But there's, it's coming with a lot of misconceptions at the same time. And I couldn't, we tried, it doesn't work. I couldn't just profile someone off of their FV profile and believe that it will give me everything I need to provide the appropriate training for them, to put them in the right group. I honestly believe you must know your FV profile, maybe at the top. It doesn't even have to be FV profile. It can be your, your 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 splits, right? It can be, it can be times. It gives me the same information. It tells me where is your bias? What are you good at compared to the, uh, are you big, are you good at the beginning, middle or end of a sprint is essentially what it's telling me. Um, and as long as you have enough normative data, we've got hundreds of players that we've run through profiles. But so as long as you have enough normative data, you can start to know what is good, what is bad, what is ugly, right? But that's not where it's, where it ends. That's the only where it starts. Understanding the kinetics is great. You've got to understand the kinematics. How are those guys creating those forces? Um, and I think a tangible bit of information for coaches if they're going to take away anything is knowing what to go and coach yeah if you're if you're worth half your salt you know if your guy's weak versus strong you know if your guy's elastic versus versus more concentric there's enough information you you your speakers over the past couple of years Surely, have given us enough information to be clear about if you want to use a eccentric utilization ratio, or you want to use ver- uh, vertical force velocity profiling, or or you just have a, a great wicked set of normative data over the past four to five years, and you know your good performers versus your not good performers. You know your squatters and your standing long jumpers versus your your repeat bounders and your and your Olympic lifters. You you kind of know where people are, so that's great. Um, And by understanding your FV profile, which is maybe my first layer, and your strength profile, which is maybe my my bottom layer, those things give you a nice view. But this middle layer of kinematics for me is um, critical because that's what empowers you to go out and know what to say to your player. That's what empowers you to go out and allows you to watch them run a route or do something specific to their game and then ask yourself, based on the feedback of the coach and based on what I'm observing or or the success rate of this person during their skill, what's their limiting factor? We could just say, oh yeah, this person who does this skill better has a better force profile, but we need a bit more information. How are they performing the skill? What can we coach? What are the coaches actually coaching right now? What do they want from them? Because generally it's going to come down to a movement right it's going to come down to they are doing this movement well or not well they're timing it well or not timing it well those are the things that are what we really want to coach so if we're just strength scientists maybe we don't really want that information I think we we would still but some people would assume if we're just a strength scientist we just need to know the kinetics and know some full scores my perspective is we're all coaches Even my even the guys that are behind the computer all day, their goal is to improve performance, support improving performance. Everything to do with sports science should just be adding to the conversation, should be adding value to the discussions that are happening between coaches and coaches and players. And so I think to answer your question succinctly, the problem is that we want cookie-cutter, simple processes. No it's not it's not a problem that we want simple processes. The problem is that maybe what we believe or some people believe is the right way is far too simple at the moment. Um, and the a combined way of looking at understanding forces and looking at movement, I think gives you both sides of the coin to allow you to make a, a really good um, individualized and and um informed decision on what you want to do going forwards.
0: I love that because it's basically looking at human nature, you know, the path of least resistance and how can we find the simplest way to group everyone together. Yeah. To bucket everyone together and to to make this just like oh, you know, everyone needs to do 1 by 20. Everyone needs to do 531. Everyone needs to do vertical integration. And mm. unfortunately, they don't and no. i think that we all sit here it took a while for strength coaches to start to understand that marrying yourself to an exercise right like they got a bat they got a back squat they got a rear fidelity split squat they got it like it took a while for people to be like yeah maybe they don't <laughs> now we're coming around and i think the next step is understanding that like Oh, yeah, Jay talks about one by 20, but maybe he doesn't do that with anybody at this time of the year. Maybe he only does that with certain guys that require certain things because they've never been in a weight room, you know, like understanding the nuances of the individual. Again, coming back to if they understand the basic principles about what you're doing, which I think for both of us would be simply progressive overload and you know, simple biomechanical, you know, evaluations. Once they understand that, figuring out, you know, first, what are the holes you got to plug in the boat? And then how can you make the the boat handle the cannon better?
1: Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. So I would say that that would be my, um, my big one. And, and I think things come in stages, right? And if, um, if JB didn't change the world's perspective on horizontal profiling, would um, so many of our clients be so keen to understand the running mechanics right now? I don't know if Tim Gabbett and didn't create the acute chronic stuff and make that go viral, even though people say, you know, people, there's a debate about it. But would um, people be so interested in sprinting right now if COVID didn't happen? And 101 sprint courses weren't available and coaches were stuck at home sitting and listening and trying to learn. Would so many people be interested in sprinting right now? I don't know. Because my profile and the types of of, of staff members and, and sports that are reaching out to us now is dramatically different to what it was two years ago, in a good way. So I haven't changed my process. Maybe I've been online more, so it's been more accessible for people. But I definitely feel like people's eyes are opening more now. And it's not sprinting is everything. It's going back to what I said at the beginning. It's more like, how do I have a more rational, organized and process driven way of of integrating all of my training components to best prepare my athlete and player? And it just happens to be sprinting is the, the last is the is the last piece of a puzzle that is still mystic and mystified by people and our job is to demystify it. so I think that answers your first question um
0: a hundred percent And I think that everybody needs to hit the back button and listen to what he just said there the last 15 seconds because like dude that that would fill a lot of questions and a lot of I mean, let's just call it what it is, bro. Just this fake confusion that we have with a lot of things, you know, like simplify your system so that you have an understanding of where you're going, how you're getting there and what you're doing. Because when you overcomplicate things, the only person that's going to get hindered by it is the player. And I love that dude. That's freaking big time. Mm.
1: I mean, it makes me think of an example. Example is I had a Zoom yesterday with our interns and um, it, it, it was a very complicated question about what I would do if I saw certain things. And, and I just had to bring it back to the basics. When we're talking about coaching speed, velocity, we're really just talking about distance and time. It's two components. I'm dyslexic, I love to simplify things. I think all we're talking about is distance and time because that's what physics tell us, tells us. That is the component of velocity. So when we think about velocity, when we think about a player, a lot of people love a big shape, big triple joint extension, big knee lift, really low angle, big, everything big, right? Um, and But we got to realise that more distance and shape requires time, right? So you've got to find a balance between the two. So if right now people are going to log off from your... Um, your podcast and said how would I work on getting someone faster I would say find out if they need more distance or more time that's it find out Um, because if distance is the issue then you know it's it's probably more related to force you probably know it's more related to orientation and controlling their body and actually directing force in the right direction if time is the uh, the limitation then you know they are probably wasting time somewhere wasting time in the air, wasting time on the floor, or wasting time, uh, let me be clear, wasting time by going up in the air, wasting time by spending too much time on the floor, or wasting time in exchanging their limbs. It's that simple. And then Ken Clark comes out this week with his with his uh, bit of work that he shared with us in the past, um, but really just talking about thigh angle velocity. And we pull out maybe 15 metrics when we look at a video, but the most important one ends up being the thighs, yeah? Are the thighs moving across a larger range in a short amount of time? Do they have a high acceleration? Just because your range is big does not mean you'll have a high thigh angular velocity or thigh angular uh, acceleration. It needs to be relatively big and fast. So if you take a long time to make that big, beautiful shape and you float in the air, and your thigh isn't accelerating itself back into the ground, no wonder you have to roll your shin and more ties. And actually you just look big for nothing, but you're not running very fast. You're pretty, but slow. Pretty slow is not good for our sports. So I will just always come back to that. Distance, time, figure it out from that point. Forget um, triple joint extension, head position, um, rotation of your upper body. forget that to start with. That's the next step. But if you've got 100 kids that you're trying to coach and you, you're trying to tell your coaches, what should we work on? Where do we group them? What kind of exercises do we want to work on? Just figure out distance versus time. Then you can start to go through my rest of my principles and, and it will go that way. But distance and time, when I get lost, that's what I come back to. Because I can get lost. I get lost in the data, lost in the nuances. Sometimes I just need a slap and refreshment and go distance and time because all we care about is velocity and acceleration. Yeah
0: yeah man big amplitude slow knee lift movements are great for movies when you're running across the meadow like there's like two people going to hug each other oh i love you i miss you yeah exactly but in sports yeah man that'll get you cut like that's it (laughs) like you're off the squad (laughs) like i'm sorry exactly 100 percent
1: um and maybe i'll go through our layers so when we look at kinematics we look at three things so distance and time is like the most basic place to go but when we look at our our kinematics we look at three things our first layer is really your your rotation how do you control your center of mass are you falling like like many people see running backs and say that they're they're fine to fall because they spend most of the time on the ground are you rising okay if you're a wide receiver you better be rising so your, your your velocity can keep growing and growing and growing and growing um but maybe if you're if you're falling you're over rotating if you're under rotating you're standing up so you're actually getting your hips up but you're not really moving forward in that process the middle is what we're looking for someone who knows how to project themselves forwards still be relatively low to the ground but they continue to switch their limbs effectively so their hips continue to rise organically not saying we're getting up to being the same height as Usain Bolt with with 0.12 in the air, we're saying that they're gradually rising and getting their hips into a position where they can best use their elastic qualities. Um, that's our first layer. We do not talk about front side, back side mechanics. We do not talk about stride length versus uh, stride frequency dominance. We do not talk about the other layers that we really do care about until we just balance the ship. Because often when you balance the ship, some of the other crazy stuff that you're seeing disappears. So I think understanding cause and effect has been the most important principle for most of our coaches because they've been chasing a variety of, of random things that were only present because of this big linchpin over here. Um, and so uh, again, I'm coming to your second question, which is about you know the advice of, uh, around coach education and how to move yourself forwards. I think if you can focus on um, people like us, but not just us who are providing principles that help you simply understand cause and effect, then when you look at your scatter graph of a hundred things that you think you could work on 70% of that goes away because you don't worry about that. You're like, normally I know that I want this things to change, but I know that if I work on the cause of it, it will change. I don't even have to talk about his arms. I don't have to talk about anything else. If I work on these things over here and these things over here are also very easy to create buy-in and to create clarity. And when I focus on these things and I coach these things, my players start coaching each other. So you get some peer learning. When I coach these things, my, my head coach who knows nothing about sprinting or s he really, really buys into it because he sees how it relates to the technical skill he's trying to coach. And we're not talking intellectual masturbation. We're not talking super sports science. We're just talking about what really matters and what my grandma can see what your mark, hey, hey, well that's that's part of what I say to my coaches. We need to explain it in a way and use visual markers that a normal person can see, my son's school teacher can see. And if you can do it that way, then you sift through all the BS. It's not sexy though. I pull it on Twitter and no one will retweet it. If I put some intellectual masturbation and add a few quotes and a few references, people think it's great. But what I've tried to do is learn all that stuff, distill it, and provide it in a way that even my six year old son can apply um, and, and that's what really matters. So coach education, I think if you really wanna get better, if you haven't been on all, all of the courses and done all of the, the webinars and everything over the past two years, then I don't know where you've been. And all, all it right now is the doors are open again, our kids are back in the, in the weight rooms, we're back on the fields. we're back being practical. So what we need is solutions that help us be better today. What we need is solutions that help us, that we can learn today and apply it tomorrow. Um, that would be my main advice to people.
0: I love that, man. You made my job easy, too. You cut right through to number two. So that, that's rad, bro. I appreciate that. Well, go, let's get you out of here on this, buddy. So July 15th and 16th, Richmond, Virginia. What can people expect from Jonas?
1: Um, they can expect uh, an open book. Um, I will come in and I will coach coaches. Um, I, I don't want to sit and on a PowerPoint. I don't want to talk about basic principles for too long. I want to get on the turf. I want to get the coaches running, jumping, throwing, um, and I want to challenge them to be faster on that day. That's going to be the challenge: is can you work on accelerating faster or being more efficient in your running so the same speed feels easier on that day that will be my goal and if I can if I can do that for the majority of your crowd and then, then you, you owe me extra beers that's that's the
0: deal well we're gonna make sure the the people at the Marriott there are doing some work to make sure that they clear that room out for this presentation so we can get some people moving around and being active here because that'll be a blast brother but Jonas man stoked to get you over here great to catch up again today man I'm, I'm glad you're doing great and uh, I can't wait for July this is going to be a blast
1: Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on again. And I can't wait as well.
0: Yeah, man. Well, we'll be in touch soon, brother. Appreciate you. Thanks, buddy. Talk to you soon. Yeah, man. Cheers.